And now, what it really means with your hosts, Brad Shepard and Paul Harrell. Welcome to the show, everyone. It's Wednesday, August 11th, 2021. Of course, I'm your host, Brad Shepard. The great Paul Harrell is on vacation and will be back next week. But I want to talk about a couple of things going on right now that are really important. The first being, of course, the jabs and COVID-1984. You have to get your vacations in while you can, folks, because the Biden administration is preparing to lock down the country yet again. And I know what you're thinking. You can't do that. Well, you can't, but he's going to work with the governors, the people who can, to lock you down, to make you put on a face diaper, and yes, to pressure you into getting the jab. Now, as we continue to have booster shots pushed on us by our government, by big corporations, and by big pharma, understand you will not be considered fully vaccinated unless you take the jab and each subsequent jab offered thereafter. So in other words, if you have the COVID vaccination now, you may be fully vaccinated today, but if you don't get the booster shots that will be required, your vaccination status is going to change real quick. You will not be fully vaccinated. You'll be put on the naughty list. Dr. Robert Malone, if you've never heard of him, he is the inventor of the mRNA and DNA vaccine core platform technology. He says that it's a lie to say we must mitigate death and disease from COVID-19 by achieving herd immunity. We have medications like ivermectin, anti-inflammatories, and others. He says it's a lie that the only way to achieve herd immunity is through universal vaccination. Herd immunity is reached through natural infection. Even the World Health Organization says the vaccine alone won't stop community transmission. It is a lie that the vaccines are completely safe. Dr. Malone listed several adverse events raising red flags, including cardiotoxicity, female reproductive health concerns, brain and nervous system disorders, coagulation problems, miscarriage in the first and second trimesters, dropping blood platelets, Guillain-Barre syndrome. He also says the data does not support the vaccination of children. Again, those aren't my words. Those are the words of a doctor who is the inventor of the mRNA and DNA vaccine core platform technology. You're not going to hear about that in the corporate media, though, because it goes against the narrative. What is the narrative you're actually hearing in the corporate media? Well, you've got CNN's Brianna Kyler saying that unvaccinated Americans are disproportionately 
Republican Fox viewers. <laughs> and yes, they're fueling the surge, not the migrants crossing the border. Why not talk about the border crisis without dabbling in BS and racist tropes about immigrants, she asks. The most unvaccinated group in America are black men, Brianna, in case you weren't aware. Since when are black men disproportionately Fox News viewers? The last time I checked, about 90% of black voters voted Democrat. This, of course, was a completely shameless lie meant to insult, humiliate uh, the people that are not taking the jab. The people who don't want open borders and people coming into our country with COVID being placed into our neighborhoods. How dare you? But they're not actually concerned. We know that. If they were, Barack Obama would not have had the 60th birthday party that he did. That's right. Barry O had his big 60. He invited 500 people. That's how concerned about COVID-19 he was at 60 years old. But the backlash came. Wait a minute. That can't be true. 500 people invited in rising cases of COVID-19. We've gone from deaths to hospitalizations, now to cases. It's really an indication how things are going well. But there's rising, surging cases. How can he do that? Well, don't worry, Berio scaled it back. Or so you thought. Maybe you thought. I didn't think. Uh, very wisely, he had big tents outside covering up the event so the media couldn't see unless they were inside. But pictures leaked anyway. And to probably nobody's surprise that listens to this show anyway. It showed a mass amount of people in close proximity who were maskless. Oh, but Brad, maybe they were just all vaccinated. Maybe you had to be vaccinated to attend. Well, first, we know that people with COVID-19, some of them have the vaccination. But I can tell you, Candace Owens has personally confirmed that at least two of the attendees at Barack Obama's birthday were not vaccinated. So vaccination, in other words, was not a condition of attending Barack Obama's 60th birthday party. So you didn't have to mask up and you didn't have to be vaccinated. Again, that's how worried Barack Obama at 60 is about COVID-19. It gets better. Louisiana State Health Officer Joe Cantor is seeing many patients present with symptoms that appear to be run-of-the-mill illnesses like sinus congestion, runny nose, and sore throat. These symptoms could be signs that patients have the Delta variant, he says. You can present with relatively mild symptoms 
that you can easily confuse for allergies or something that you picked up from your kid who is in daycare. All of those things, Cantor said. If you have any symptoms, no matter how mild, even if it is a sore throat, even if it is a runny nose, even if it is sinus congestion, go get yourself tested and limit your contact with other people until you do so. <laughs> that, let me tell you, sounds like something that I have to get the jab for. I want the jab because I'll tell you, if I have um, some allergy-like symptoms, I, I just don't know if I can handle it. Wow. Um, what, what a joke, man. What a complete joke. As Changing America previously reported, according to researchers at the um, Zoe COVID symptom study, excessive sneezing is also a symptom of having the Delta variant. <laughs> well, let's add that to the list. Allergy-like symptoms. Be careful. It may not be the dust. It may just be you have the Delta variant if you were sneezing. This is unbelievable. But people are beginning to rebel. We're seeing this in particular in Europe, where there has been massive protests, and it is beautiful. Senator Rand Paul has officially encouraged Americans to resist the mandates, lockdowns, and harmful policies of the petty tyrants and bureaucrats and simply say, no, not again. I can tell you my message, me, Brad Shepard, is simple. I choose not to comply. I choose not to trust Dr. Fauci, a partisan Washington DC hack who is not following the science, who funded the gain-of-function research in Wuhan, who has taken differing positions on every side of every issue within the COVID-19 scandemic, who said in 1983 that AIDS could be transmitted by routine household contact, and who recommended AZT, a highly toxic drug for HIV patients. I choose not to wear a face diaper because I choose to follow the approximately 50 scientific studies that indicate masks do not actually prevent the transmission of COVID-19, and that in fact, they can be harmful. I choose not to remain locked down like a caged animal for a virus that 99% of people survive so that the middle class can be eliminated and Amazon can make record profits. I choose not to get an experimental big pharma vaccine which wasn't approved through the traditional FDA trial process, and which, by the way, doesn't actually prevent you from getting or spreading COVID-19. I choose life. I choose liberty. And I choose the pursuit of happiness. Now, if you've been paying attention there is an infrastructure bill in Congress. It has received a lot of attention. And the Senate moved closer to passing a this $1 trillion deal, infrastructure package, over the weekend. 
after lawmakers from both parties came together and uh, voted to clear a key procedural hurdle. But things stalled out as opponents tried to slow the rush to prove one of resident Joe Biden's top priorities. So the bill includes about $550 billion in new spending over the next decade. It's a lot of money, but far smaller than the $2.3 trillion plan that the Biden administration was promoting last spring. It was, you know, the meme was going around that essentially everything is infrastructure. Um, as long as someone, uh, you know, a DNC operative got paid, it was infrastructure. Home care workers, infrastructure, art, infrastructure. <laughs> uh, well, many Republicans will oppose the bill, but not all did. 17 were all for it. Now, we're talking about expanding the deficit and empowering federal agencies. Of course, that's only a small part of the problem of this bill. Because really, as uh, this piece in Revolver.News highlights, the real tragedy of the bill it just exposes how far America has fallen. In his remarks pushing toward the bill forward, President Biden compared the infrastructure bill to the transcontinental railroad and the interstate highway system. By making that direct comparison, it only drives home how feeble America's ambitions have become as our decline worsens. Both of these projects were not merely large but dramatic undertakings, which radically remade the American life, turned a vast continent into an interconnected whole, and of course, improved life substantially for ordinary people. But the only problem is literally nothing in this bill will do that. Here's some examples of what this new infrastructure bill will buy you. Of course, you, the American taxpayer, and what a similar amount of money might buy you in America's foremost rival, China. In China, officials are currently investing $73.5 billion into the Greater Bay Area Transportation Network in the Pearl River Delta region. That contains the most populous megacity on Earth, home to more than 70 million people um, among uh, urban cores like Hong Kong and Guangzhou and Shenzhen. To connect each part of this mammoth conurbation, Beijing's plan is to put down almost 3,000 miles of rail. The goal would be a two-hour transit time to get from one part of the megacity to any other part and three hours to reach neighboring provincial capitals via high-speed rail. And they want to have this finished by 2035. Now, and the new infrastructure bill in America. America is putting in nearly the same amount of money, more than $60 billion to fund Amtrak. What will that buy? Who knows? don't really know. But we do know it devotes tens of billions to modestly improve Amtrak, maybe a few new routes, maybe uh, in the Northeast somewhere, maybe to keep the trains they have in service, address backlog issues, maintenance, etc. Not going to offer too much. Oh, wait a minute, but it also offers Amtrak's catering. 
reducing losses on food service. They can change that. Don't worry. It, it, the government is here to help. Perhaps the most dispiriting thing about this infrastructure plan is that it does certainly seem to be for the best. A limited plan to make Amtrak more punctual or widespread and more pleasant. That's the kind of plan the decaying U.S. can still hope to achieve. It's not saying much. In 2008, California voters approved a $10 billion bond to begin building a high-speed rail between San Francisco and Los Angeles. Now, supporters said it would be finished by 2022, and that would cost $33 billion. Well, you know, in 2020, the California High-Speed Rail Authority updated its cost projection to more than $80 billion, with the high-end outcome of $98 billion. Yeah, um, well, where is that train? Here we are, we're, we're well into 2021. Well, Gavin Newsom's government is struggling to get Democrats to commit the $4 billion necessary to finish the first 119-mile segment connecting Madeira and Shafter. It's basically a, a train between San Jose and Bakersfield. Might be finished by 2029. It might be. Meanwhile, China. Thorium power has been a promising uh, but out of reach uh, technology for nuclear energy going back decades. Now it's finally happening. China leading the way. 3.3 billion investment into building a prototype reactor. It's on the brink of completion. That's sad stuff, folks. That's that's what China's doing. That's what we are doing. I, I, I don't know. Uh, meanwhile, in our infrastructure bill, 15 billion is is allocated to carbon capture technology uh, so that we can collect the carbon output of a traditional power plant instead of just letting it escape into the atmosphere. Uh, wow. OK, great stuff there. <laughs> America's only carbon capture operation at a coal plant was built at the cost of $1 billion. It was such a disaster. It was shut down last year. So this is, this is again, climate activism. But that's infrastructure, right? Climate change is everything is infrastructure, as we know. The Biden administration made a lot of noise about enhancing the resilience of communities to natural disaster or global warming, those sort of things. But how does the administration plan to achieve resilience? In part by blowing 50 million on 10 transportation resilience and adaptation centers of excellence, which will essentially absorb millions of dollars to churn out reports and engage with underserved or predominantly minority communities. But will these communities, these commissions actually make any community more resilient, whatever that actually means? But 50 million, that could that could buy <laughs> that could buy a lot of things uh, that could help a lot of people. There's 75 million for Pete Buttigieg to fund any study he wants. You know what he wants to study and he is going to study. An actual mileage tax. That's so nice. That's so nice. 
There's a $50 million provision in the bill to create a pilot program that will explore creating a per-mile fee system for American drivers. That is the Buttigieg model. So it would be debatable if it were solely about generating tax revenue in a more fair way, right? Obviously, you're talking about more rural voters, uh, people living in small towns, commuting to big cities. You know, those are going to tend to be more Trump voters. So it's, it's again, more taxes, more punishment, all under the guise of infrastructure. Infrastructure, of course, has been a popular cause on the right since Donald Trump's presidential run began six years ago, and for good reason. He started his first term with a massive bipartisan infrastructure project that included the wall, of course, which, you know, heck, Paul Ryan was opposed to. But we need to have some realism as well. In that the country we've become, it's never as simple as just spending money on infrastructure instead of warfare and welfare. Without truly ambitious, far-reaching reforms and a competent, non-corrupt leadership class to implement them, infrastructure is either a spoil system for special interest clients or simply an expensive effort to maintain a crumbling status quo for a country that's in managed decline. And that's what we're seeing, folks. That's what I've just showed you. That's that's what's going on. That's what it really means. And it's not just the waste in this bill, the excessive expense, the incompetence, the special interest grift, though it's all there. And it's impossible to imagine a major bill without all of those things. But at a deeper level about the disappearance of greatness from our national spirit, 52 years ago, the United States sent man to the moon. Some people thought by now we would have flying cars. Today, America is no longer capable of a moon landing level project. In fact, we may be incapable of an actual moon landing. Whether you think the moon landing is real or not. Regardless, ultimately, this infrastructure bill aspires to nothing great. And we see that in the Republican resistance to this bill. Another form of Republican resistance might be, uh, you know, deemed the roads and bridges school of conservatism and a society that only aspires to repair old things, which it appears we're trying to do, will never be great. And in our case, obviously, these efforts and the dysfunction and incompetence and the grift are just so visibly linked. Um, there's no imagination. There's no ambition. There's no reason that a country as wealthy and mighty as the United States of America cannot afford to dole out the money to repave a road or expand an airport or fix a bridge, come up with new projects. But our political class, the American globalist regime, they don't care about that. They don't care about investing in the new. They only see infrastructure as a bill which is a spending bill and an opportunity to get a slice of cash for themselves. 
That's what it is. It's the grift. It's the money grab. America was a country that completed great projects as a matter of course. As the nation has come into decline, stumbled and decayed, it's become incapable of achieving those great projects and now apparently incapable of actually conceiving them. It's a very sad thing to say. That's all the time we have this week. I know this was a short episode. Paul is on vacation, but I wanted to do an episode to talk about these two things. They're really important. They deserve the attention. They deserve to be talked about. And you deserve to hear the information and for us to explain what it really means. Thanks for tuning in. Follow me on social media at Brad Shepard on Gab, at It's Brad Shepard on Twitter. Thanks for your support, and we'll be back next week.